Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Edup Experience podcast where we make education your business. Speaking of making education your business, we, of course, want to remind you, as I will uh, many, many times as we move forward, to order our book, Commencement, the Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education, as seen through the eyes of 100-plus college and university presidents that I've interviewed on this podcast, my co-founder and I, Elvin Freitas, along with Kate Colbert. We are writing a book. Um, it is available for pre-order on Amazon. Please give honor us by ordering your copy. Uh, we think it's going to be pretty incredible uh, as we collate all of the insights that these college and university presidents have said on this uh, podcast. I went back and listened to all those episodes and my brain is overwhelmed with great information. Um, so having it in a book, it'll be easier to compute, if you will. Uh, what I uh, want to do today, though, is I want to talk about college preparation, what it takes to be successful in college. How are students prepared or not prepared? What does it take? And to do that, I've got two guests with me because that's how important this topic is. And I'm going to bring them in one at a time. Here they come. Ladies and gentlemen, first, I've got Michael Piscal. I hope I said his last name right. He's CEO and co-founder of College Achieve Public Schools. Michael, how are you? Great, Joe. How are you? It's, it's actually Piscal. Michael Piscal. See, yeah. I was trying to throw in a little like panache on it. Pis French, you know? yeah. <laughs> uh, Piscal, Michael Piscal. Um, thanks for coming today, Michael. I'm very, very excited to hear about College Achieve uh, and the work that you're doing. And, but before you start talking about it, let me bring my other guest in here. Here he comes. His name is Brian Taylor, and he is CEO of the Brian Taylor Leadership Institute. Brian, how are you? I'm, very, I'm fantastic today, Joe. How about yourself? Uh, I'm feeling pretty fantastic myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's a. It, it, I love uh, I love Mondays. Well, it's it's always exciting to start the week, and uh, you know what happens on Monday? You begin your week at school too. Uh, and Michael, I want to have you level set for us as we talk about um, K through twelve and college preparation. Tell us a little bit about College Achieve Public Schools. What do you guys do, and how do you do it? Well, College Achieve. Thank you, Joe. College Achieve Public Schools. We're a pretty new charter management organization. We started in. 2013 opened our first schools in Plainfield, New Jersey in 2015 and with 346 students. And now, uh, you know, coming up on our 10th anniversary next year, we are going to be over 3,200 students in New Jersey. Um, we have uh, elementary, middle, and high school in Patterson, uh, an elementary, middle, and high in Plainfield and North Plainfield, and a elementary, middle, and high in Neptune and Asbury Park, New Jersey. So we're serving over 3,200 kids. Um, and we have uh, the test scores just came out. And we have uh, one up in every grade level in reading across every school. So that's nine schools, test scores went up and every uh, grade level in reading. The math wasn't as good because COVID response come back, the learning loss was tremendous and we didn't do as well there, but we did have some improvement in some of the math grade levels, but to go up into every grade level at nine different campuses um, is 
systemic improvement, which is the, the ultimate bar to reach. That means your program is working. It's not one miracle principle or one miracle group of teachers. It's across the entire system and three different uh, regions of the state. So we're very excited. And our mission is uh, every student that graduates from college achieve uh, public schools will be prepared to excel in and graduate from the top 100 colleges and universities in the nation. And uh, so we, we're all about preparing our kids uh, for the rigors of college and for also the, uh, the emotional experience of going away from home for the first time and uh, being able to navigate uh, college, being a young adult in college. And so that's- uh, Incredible. We think that's incredible of the work that you're doing. 3,200 students is bigger than a lot of the college uh, colleges that uh, folks that I uh, interview on this podcast from from colleges across the country. It's a lot of kids, man. That's a lot of kids to watch and take care of. Yeah, we're incredibly excited because during COVID, we're hearing everybody's test scores crashed. Everybody, nobody's been tested since the 1819 school year. And people are dusting off their speech like, oh, we went down, but we didn't go down as much as we thought we would with all the learning loss from all the time schools were shut down. We actually went up in every grade level in every school and reading scores. And so that in the teeth of the biggest uh, pandemic in 100 years, we, we are you know just so the momentum we've built, the talent we've attracted to the organization. Uh, and, and you mentioned the size, 3,200 is bigger than you know, a lot of people said to me, why don't you just open one good school and make it the best in the country? And the issue with that is how do you attract the talent to a small elementary school? Or even if I made it K-12 with 500 kids, you know, people are looking for a place to grow their career and for, you know, a, a multitude of experiences, not to just be pigeonholed into one role. And so that's why we, we've built a charter management organization to, you know, to grow, we hope to grow to, you know, 25 charter schools. And amazing. That's, that's what brings the talent is when people have a place where they can have the opportunity to grow in their careers. So that's. That's great. And uh, speaking of growing, uh, Brian, you uh, CEO of the Brian Taylor Leadership Institute. Um, that I would love to hear more about what you do, but that uh, implies to me that you're growing leaders. Um, uh, through through your teachings, if you will. So tell me about the Brian Taylor Leadership Institute. Yes, I was uh, fortunate to be linked with Mike for several, several years. And I want, he's inspired me to, to work with these young people in New Jersey at CAPS, the College of Chief Public Schools. And I wanted to be able to, to offer them something special. So I had formed the Brian Taylor Leadership Institute about three years ago. And the mission is to teach kids how to be great citizens and great leaders. And the way to do that is also exploring ways they can be great scholars. And so Mike and I, we go way back, we talked a little bit about that uh, previously. We go way back to working together in California at um, some great schools out there. Mike was the founder and he brought me along um, to work with him. And we did magical stuff back in the day. And I wanted to keep that going. So I figured the best way to do this is to give back by teaching these kids and preparing them early on. So we do rise in ninth grades. This summer we did not, rise in ninth grades. We had about 50 rise in ninth grades experience college life 
at Princeton universities for, for two weeks. And it was amazing. It's just exposing them to the world of higher education makes all the difference in the world. And I could speak to that because that's what happened in my career early on in my young age at 16, I was able to go to a summer program at Lawrenceville school. And it prepared me to read and understand, comprehend the great books and also to do a good job of, of writing that I had to be prepared to do when I got to Princeton. And I wanted to be able to give back and do the same things by exposing young people, like the great students that CAPS has, College of Chief Public Schools has, to higher education early on in their careers. That's great work, my friend. T tell Joe, me, guys. Joe, go ahead, like Michael. Jump in and say, you know, Brian and I, like you said, that we go way back decades. I, I think I was in my second or third year of teaching when Brian started at the Harvard Westlake School. We were teaching there in LA, which is one of the top private schools in the world. And they send, you know, over 80% of their students to Ivy League schools and in Ivy League caliber schools like Stanford and Georgetown and MIT and Northwestern and places like that. It is an amazing school. And we really bonded because we were two guys from New Jersey uh, and out there in Los Angeles. And um, we, and, and the, the writing was a big thing. We, you know, I opened my eyes at Harvard Westlake, how they train kids, how to write college level essays. Cause I actually struggled in college to write um, strong arguments. And after teaching one year at Harvard Westlake, I'm like, oh, this is how they teach, you know, the wealthiest kids in the world, how to write a college level essay. And, you know, it, you know, when I took graduate school classes, suddenly my papers are being photocopied and handed out to other grad students. So Brian and I, you know, talked about, you know, the huge difference of a private school education from just doing the summers at Lawrenceville Prep. I went to public schools in New Jersey. Brian went to public schools in New Jersey. So, uh, and then when the, uh, you know, 92 riots happened in LA, you know, I talked to Brian about my dream of opening up, you know, a private school in, in you know, inner city Los Angeles. And he joined my, you know, the board of it. Um, and a few years later, I had a school open and I convinced Brian to leave Harvard Westlake, one of the best you know, places to be in education in the world, uh, to come start a, a little middle school uh, on Crenshaw Boulevard that became an incredible school. Brian was the principal of it for, I think, eight its first eight years. And it closed the achievement gap in every subject. But the remarkable thing, and they talk about algebra being the most failed subject in America, of all high school subjects, 100% of Brian's eighth graders, not ninth graders, 100% of his eighth graders passed the state algebra exam. So that's where Brian wow. took way back. It's amazing. You know, um, you guys are doing such incredible work and, and you're, you're talking about, you know, how do you, how do you shift what's being taught at wealthy schools to, um, to schools that are more accessible to the average person, right? And how, how do we bring those, how do we bring those tools, um, which a lot of times are supported by money. Um, and, uh, and you know, there's, there's dollars and cents at every level, but how do we bring, those tools to kids that may not have as easy access to school or getting in school or staying in school and so on. So you have to provide a different level of support services. I'm wondering how 
COVID uh, affected you guys. You know, now we're talking about learning loss, and you said it, Michael and, and Brian, I'd love your perspective as well. We, you had high school kids uh, the last two years that experienced some things remotely, um, sporadically, you know, uh, n- nothing that was completely structured, and now they're going off to college, and there might be some shock. We've talked to a number of presidents. They say these kids are coming in shocked about, you know, because they missed their last two years of in-person work and, and they did it all online and now they're on a college campus and they're lost, you know, uh, coming in. So what is it? What does that look like? Your kids did, did COVID, I don't know, disrupt that preparation that you're able to, to do at uh, college achieved public schools or, or did you thrive? Has it been a grind? T- tell me about that a little bit. Well, COVID for us, I mean, I think the great shock is, you know, we have this country has become so divided and the, you know, one party talks about they're the party of science, but we had the schools closed down, especially in urban areas. So if you look, you know, places like Sweden and Denmark, they reopened their schools in, in days after COVID first struck those places. And we have, you know, a, a problem with the, political structure in this country, we kept our urban schools closed for some places, 14 months. Uh, Newark Newark schools didn't open until April of 2021. Um, Patterson didn't open until June 1st of 2021. So they were closed for over 14 months. And and why are you reopening in June? Only 400 kids showed up. So we're wondering why there was such tremendous learning loss they were in a lot of places. Philadelphia was especially egregious. Uh, they were just mailing packets home to kids to do work. They weren't even doing online synchronous learning. So we, we had our kids online when we did have them at home. Uh, we reopened in September and October of 2020. Um, and we, we were aggressive about staying open all through the pandemic. And because the science was showing us that the kids weren't getting COVID, the science was showing us in fact, what turns out that more kids died in car accidents than died from COVID in America. But we shut down our schools. Now, we didn't do it in red states. And in blue states, if, if it was a wealthy school district, they tended to be open much more than the low-income districts. So again, uh, our low-income kids, our kids of color, get the worst of the worst. Whenever something goes wrong, it goes really wrong for the poor and this is where our leaders, again, continually fail us over and over and over again. But, you know, in a charter world, we get to make the decisions and we decide to stay open. And that's why our kids did so well on the testing and why our kids are going to do well in college. But unfortunately, um, it's going to be harder than ever uh, for most low-income kids to succeed in college because we abandoned them during COVID. And it's that that harsh. It's That's the harsh reality that's the truth yeah now there's a we got to get them back right there's a there's a scramble to get kids back and caught up brian what about the leadership institute um are you is there a preparation piece an extra prep piece that needs to be in place for kids to be ready for college especially the last two years the junior seniors going into college now and so the beauty of the history of what mike and i have been able to formulate is that we come from an accelerated background you know, we teach the kids uh, now, and of course, kids might be three or four grade levels below, but we got really good in doing an accelerated program where we're teaching kids at least 
uh, grade or grade and a half level or above. For instance, we're, we're teaching ninth graders out of the 10th grade books. We're teaching eighth graders out of the ninth grade books. So our accelerated model has really, has really helped us in understanding that and that you're teaching also the pacing. You know, the pacing where you teach to the top quartile of the classroom in the middle is going to be quite real hard to get there. And then those who are still on the lower rung, we just give them more time on task. And so as Mike said, our folks were working while other folks were, were not, and that makes all the difference in the world. And so I'm really, really proud of the fact that we were able to just get the kids on campus at Princeton this summer, because pretty much Princeton was pretty much shut down. They still had some concerns over COVID, but with, with Mike and my relationships, we were able to get the kids some great experience and teach them how to analyze art, how to uh, build businesses. Uh, they were able to witness great um, organizations. So actually there were two different presentations that the kids were able to witness of startup companies uh, at Princeton's uh, eLab, Entrepreneurial Lab. So we, we, don't allow, we don't allow the challenge that a lot of folks had to stop us from exposing the kids to what we know is a great accelerated program. That's great to hear. It really is. <clears throat> um, you know, it's there's so much going on um, as kids now, right? They're transitioning into college, maybe, um, and they were they were sophomores going into their junior year now, and now they're going into college for the first time. I'm seeing at my university there there's just a uh, a general excitement of kids to be on a college campus and, and experiencing college life, which is why a number of schools are seeing increases in their overall population at the undergraduate, uh, you know, quote unquote, traditional student level. Um, it, it does beg the question, though, and this is something we've talked about all the time on the podcast is, are kids really prepared for college? And I ask this in a particular way, because college, uh, for many, many folks, uh, means taking on some level of debt. And it's that debt, understanding debt, uh, understanding how to manage finances, personal finances, that we, we, I say we in higher education, have seen a lack of that um, in K through 12 preparation. It's, be, and it's discussed all the time. Are we teaching kids how to manage a checkbook? Well, I say checkbook now, or Venmo, how to manage their Venmo or, or whatever, understand interest rates and so on. Is financial preparation an important part of college preparation? I would say absolutely. We, we, we're very concerned. So we looked at one of the things we wanted to create this education corridor in South Central LA, Brian and I. And our goal, we looked at the four local high schools, Crenshaw, Dorsey, Manual Arts, and Washington Prep. And, and this was, you know, between the freeways in LA, 45 square mile area. And this is where the Crips and the Bloods were founded um, in, in this area. And so it couldn't have been more difficult place to work uh, in many ways. But here we had each of those high schools had a thousand students enter the freshman class. And four years later, less than 400 would graduate. So they go from 4,000 freshmen to 1,600 graduating seniors. Of those 1,600 seniors, uh, less than half went to uh, two-year colleges and less than 10% went to four-year colleges. Yikes! And we tracked that. I know, through. Joe. I... We tracked that through. Only 8% of the students were graduating from college six years later from each graduating class. 
So this was, you know, each school was only producing um, from a graduating class of 430 to 40 college graduates. So how, if, if you times that before, that's 160 in a 45 square mile area. 350,000 people live in that 45 square mile area. I was gonna say, you're talking about a dense area of population. How are they going to be the next generation of teachers, lawyers, doctors, leaders, you know, when they can't even get through college, the less than 10%. So we got our college, we, we were sending 100% of our kids to college and we were sending, um, you know, but our college graduation rate was in the high 30s, which really depressed me. Uh, and people said, well, it's not 9%, it's not 8%, you're more than quadrupling it. So we found that our top, you know, quartile of kids, our top 30, 40%, they were getting virtually full rides to college. We had them so well prepared. Their SATs were at a certain level, but it was the kids. And then the kids at the very bottom too, they were getting, they were going, going into four-year colleges and they were struggling to do the work. Then they were going to two-year colleges. Some of them were going through the military, but it was really the middle kids who were having some success in college, getting to their sophomore year, their junior year, but because of their own financial, and it was right, in the middle of the great recession. So I don't know what percentage of it hit there, but those are the kids that we were, you know, felt the worst about because they were getting two, three years of college and they had this enormous debt now. They didn't have a degree, right. but they had $60,000, $70,000 in debt. And that's so, why there's 39 million people with some college, no degree, right? So there's a, a large part of that uh, exactly. population that that's, that took on college, took on debt and said, I can't do it anymore and left. So that's when college achieved public school. Our mission was the same at, at, at ICEF schools, Inner City Education Foundation in Los Angeles. And the, it was the same, the graduate, you know, every student will graduate from the top colleges and universities in the nation. We have the same mission here at College Achieve Public Schools, but we've been working much harder at how do we get our kids uh, better prepared for college. And we did the SOUL program there with the summer of a lifetime. And Brian, you know, own experience in high school, going to Lawrenceville Prep, interacting with the Princeton people. Brian, tell them about uh, meeting Bill Bradley uh, at, at Lawrenceville Prep. That's a great story. <laughs> Bill Bradley, of course, Bill Bradley is the great, great senator from New Jersey and also Hall of Fame basketball player with the Knicks. But I followed in his footsteps at Princeton. But before I got there, when I was at Lawrence, Lawrenceville used to be the spot where Bill Bradley used to teach me how to be prepared for the next level, which was the professional level. And that happened at Lawrenceville. I mean, he used to uh, work me out down in Lawrenceville. And I still remember a couple of tips he, he gave me. And I was fast. As a matter of fact, Joe, my my nickname is the BT Express because I was so fast. And one of the things Bill taught me, so you got to learn how to slow down a little bit. You got to learn how to shift gears. I like so that. he taught me how to shift gears, not always be speedy, speedy, but to shift gears. And that never would happen if I didn't go to Lawrenceville and have that experience at Lawrenceville during the summer. That, that goes beyond. Remember, I was talking about the two uh, courses that we took. One was the reading course. We're helping your reading comprehension, and the other was the writing to help improve your writing. This was 
preparing for the next level of college and professional. And that, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have that summer of experience at Lawrenceville. It's amazing. What about guys? What about writing? Um, because writing is it's it's this phenomenon, you know, people don't know how to write anymore. But even that we were saying that 10, 15, 20 years ago in higher education that kids or even adults can't write. And now it's like you're reverse engineering writing because people do know how to write in shorthand text message format uh, using lots of acronyms. But when you have to try to make sentences now, you can't. So it's like you got to you got to reverse engineer people out of how to write for text and, and teach them how to put a sentence together again so it's more complex to teach writing now because people pick up what what they think is writing we see it i've seen it in my career at the college level where somebody says you know submit an essay and it's got an lol in it and i'm like okay can't do that anymore <laughs> can you guys talk about writing a little bit uh, what, yeah, we, what it's like to teach writing these days we really work on the conventions of writing and the the tolman writing argument with stephen tolman developed at cambridge university so instead of the, the plain, you know, the, the normal way they teach writing in American high schools, which is thesis, intro, body, 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 you know, conclusion, it actually gives a, a, an infrastructure for each section. You know, it's what is your major claim that you're making? So you're taking a position on something instead of this amorphic language of a thesis, um, you know, make a claim and now define what the issue is in the claim. So there's a step-by-step -step model that you follow uh, that's very reasonable and logical. And then what's your, wh what are your three examples to, you know, your best evidence to prove the claims? So it's an argument that is very, keeps everything very focused on the claim. And then your conclusion is to consider the alternative. You know, what, what would other people say you're wrong and then defeat that that you know what is your argument that that everybody else is wrong <laughs> your your argument is correct so that is something that we train our kids in starting in uh sixth and seventh grade and all through high school they're in every subject they're doing it in science math mathematics history and of course english so we even have them doing it in music class. You know, if you're gonna be a music major, you gotta be able to write about music. And so you gotta learn how to write an argumentative essay. That's what they expect in college. And we make sure every kid walks out our door, every kid knowing how to write an argumentative essay. We also then work on the correction lessons about making sure they writing, you know, complete sentences, making a complete thought. You can't make a compelling argument without, you know, writing um in, in a readable style and 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 make a you, you know a compelling case for your position and there's new some great new stuff out there from uh the writing revolution about how that fits into our pre-existing model um that everybody's talking about the writing revolution right now um and how to how to because people have been talking about writing across the curriculum for 30 40 years and the writing revolution really helps uh, curriculum writers put it together. So we're very excited that our scores are, you know, approaching New Jersey's state average, which by the way, New Jersey has the highest reading scores in the nation in fourth and eighth grade. So our low-income students and our kids of color are, you know, now approaching or exceeding the state average in New Jersey and closing the achievement gap. And we think now we just adopted the writing revolution program. Um, 
for our history and science classes. Uh, so we we think we're going to even be moving further ahead. We're not going to we're not ready to plateau with with our the writing skills. But that is essential for success in college. But the other thing is to get back to the soul program that Brian Brian you know had this experience at Lawrenceville Prep and that that you know prepared him for Princeton by going over to Princeton, interacting with the Princeton players and the great Bill Bradley. Um, and by the way, Brian went on to become, you know, he was an All-American in high school and college and football, went on to be a star at Princeton, went into the pros, was the ABA Rookie of the Year, co-captain of the, the, the New York Nets with Dr. J when they won the championship. Oh, yeah. And the, first, <laughs> yeah. and the first year that they had the three-point shot in the NBA, Brian outperformed the great Larry Bird and led the NBA in three-point shooting. So I don't hey, know. Mike, I got to sign him as my agent. Huh? <laughs> I was going to say, this guy's selling the heck out of you, Brian. It's great. I, I, I was... want there's that statue at Princeton of Bill Bradley outside of uh, Gadwin Jim. There should be one with Brian right next to him. because Bill Bradley went on to be the great senator, but Brian, Brian should be recognized. You know, how many uh, people won from the projects at Perth Amboy to Princeton to the NBA, but then became a principal, another P from the projects mm-hmm. to Princeton to the pros, then to principal. He went to Prince. He was a great principal. Uh, and, you know, on Crenshaw Boulevard with a, a 100% African-American student body to get every student to pass the uh, state algebra exam, 100% passage rate, close the achievement gap in so many subjects. He should be as well known as an educator as he was a professional basketball player. Uh, and I just think it's an un, untold story about Brian Taylor. And now this program at Princeton, to, to have our own program at Princeton, where he, Brian recruited three professors to teach, Professor Massey, Kornhauser, and Vanderby. These are all you know, famous scholars, mathematicians, scientists, inventors that have patents, that have done amazing work, uh, pioneering work in their fields. And our students got to experience being taught by these great teachers and got to you know, experience the arts and the sciences and astronomy and math this summer. And kind of the, the idea is that you know, we're trying to teach the kids that they belong, that they shouldn't feel alienated at Princeton because they are, you know, you know, when we've sent the kids away before, you know, kids have came back and told us, you know, we were the only black kid in the classroom. We were the only right. Latino kid in the classroom. And this is something that's much better for them to experience over a two, three week summer program than to go away for the first time to college and confront the, this experience for the first time. Because for a, ch- for, for a young lady, a young man who's 18, Christmas, Thanksgiving break could seem like an eternity away. But here they come back with two weeks after two weeks and they kind of be able to process it and and then get ready for it when they actually go off full time to college. That's part of what we're trying to do besides the focus on teaching them how to write, you know, a top level college essay is how do you navigate going to a world that's where it's amazing, Joe how segregated the schools are in America. They're becoming even more segregated. New Jersey in one study, UCLA study, 
ranked fourth in the nation for segregated schools, public schools. Fourth. The, the, the Confederacy had 13 uh, states, depending on how you count Kentucky and Tennessee. And that means Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, and then New Jersey is fourth. And mm. guess what? California and Illinois, blue, other blue states, and New York are becoming so increasingly segregated where overwhelmingly either black and Latino or overwhelmingly white. So our top kids and are going, but also white kids are having this same thing. They're going to school with only white and Asian kids in a school. And what, what's going on? This is the 21st century. We're going in the wrong direction and we're not going there like slipping, sliding that way. We're going fast, like the foot's on the gas for our schools resegregating. Um, so this, our soul programs is a, is a, you know, it's a small thing, but it's, it's a significant thing because um, we're getting our kids ready for that environment. One big takeaway from that, uh, Michael, is that if Brian Taylor ever wrote a book, it should say, the title of the book should be Pro From the Projects to Princeton to the Pros to Principal. All right, you said it. I don't <laughs> know if anybody's P's, trademarked that. P's, yeah. Yeah. Like the five P's of marketing and the four P's of Brian Taylor. <laughs> no, it's, all, it's all about, I can't take all the credit. One of the, one of the key distinguishing factors of the success is no different than being a, a great champion as a, as a professional is you got to have great talent. <laughs> and That's I for sure. had great, I had great teachers. I had great teachers that executed the game plan. And that's how we were so successful in, in bridging the achievement gap. And it's the, it's the same thing here. There's no different with Caps. They have so much talent. That's why they're doing so well. You know, it's interesting. We talk about this all the time. Where's the innovation in the K through 12? You know, what, if we can't, if we don't fix kids, then, you know, when they get to college, um, they're going to be ill-prepared for what college offers or even any alternative credentialing that we have to make sure we're teaching our kids the right way. And I'm so glad that I can bring uh, to you at Epic Experience audience two innovators in the K through 12 space doing the hard, hard work of increasing quality outcomes, testing scores, overall writing and financial knowledge to better prepare kids for college life and adult life, let's just be honest, for to be better citizens uh, in our uh, our alternate reality. Sometimes I think we're, our society is so divided. It's like an alternate reality that we live in after all the progress we were supposed to have been making. Uh, congratulations, gentlemen, on an incredible journey. Thank you, Joe. It's been a lot of fun. It's continuing to be fun for me. It was a great summer with, uh, working with the Caps, uh, leadership and the kids. And I'm looking forward to making it even better and congratulating you for all the great work that you do, Joe. So thank you for having us. Well, thank you, sir. And Michael, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Joe. It was a great experience. I think it's my first ever podcast. And uh, thank you. It's uh, it's an honor to be on uh, Ed Up Experience. And, now you're a pro. Now you guys are pros. You're going to do the, you're going to do the rounds out there. Uh, but hopefully our... <laughs> Hopefully our higher ed audience uh, will check out College Achieve Public Schools and the Brian, Brian Taylor Leadership Institute. One thing I know from uh, from being an educator is partnerships are key. We all need to know each other and that we exist. So in those moments that we can help a kid, we remember who to reach out to that's doing certain levels of work. 
or when kids need to reach out to a university, you guys are connected with university partners. So find these guys on LinkedIn, uh, check out their websites. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today, Michael Piskel, he's CEO and co-founder of College Achieved Public Schools. And let me keep it going here. Brian Taylor, CEO of Brian Taylor Leadership Institute. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed upped. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. 